The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Hello everyone, my name is Juliana Aiken. I'm the host of the Unfiltered podcast and a co-founder of Unfiltered. Today I'm interviewing Luciana Gerard. She's a registered counselor and narcissistic abuse specialist, and she will guide us through all the steps necessary to emotionally detach from a narcissist. Drawing from her personal experience of narcissistic abuse in relationships with parents, siblings, partners, and friends, along with her extensive study of academic research on narcissism, she's well equipped to help us navigate this journey of emotional detachment. In step one of this series, we focused on understanding what we seek in relationships with narcissists and how we can fulfill these needs ourselves. In step two, we explored the science of a narcissist. And in step three, we learned about the trauma triangle and how it manifests in interactions with a narcissistic individual. Today, we will focus on accepting that we cannot change the narcissistic individual. Together with the previous and forthcoming steps, this fourth step will better equip us to emotionally detach from individuals displaying narcissistic traits. Let's get started. Hi, Luciana. Thank you for joining me again. It's nice to have you in this podcast episode. Hi, Juliana. Thank you for having me back. Good to be here again. Great. So today we are going to go into step four of our series, 10 steps, how to emotionally detach from the narcissist in your life. And Luciana, can you enlighten us? What is the topic of today? What is the fourth step? The fourth part, yeah. So this part today is about accepting that you cannot change them. And this is one of the things that people really struggle with because I think it must be just natural in a lot of us that we think, oh yes, I can help them and I can rescue them and I can fix them and then everything will be perfect. But actually, it's pretty impossible really to change any narcissistic person unless they want to, of course. But I don't know how likely that is either. So this is, yeah, this is really trying to just just to accept what the truth is, what reality is, so that you can then leave it in the background and then move on with your life rather than this constant trying to change something that's sort of unchangeable. Mm, mm. Yeah, it really starts with the self-awareness. Like, I feel like I was thinking, why do we try so hard changing uh, someone or changing the narcissist? And we, it's it's really like, I think what... Uh, kind of keeps me stuck sometimes is that I'm like, well, if they just could see their behavior, if they just could see and admit and, you know, change it. But if there is not that self-awareness part, meaning that they usually don't see that there is anything wrong or they, yeah, they just can't see that, then it's, (laughs) you, you really can't move forward to the actual step, which is the change. You first have to understand that you need to change and that generally speaking doesn't really happen with yeah, narcissistic exactly. people yeah yeah because they're not going to change and that they don't want to change and that's okay actually mm. you know i've certainly in the past 
I've been trying in my rescuer mode, trying mm. to change everybody and help everybody and fix the whole world. But of course, people don't want my help. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think over the years I've accepted actually people don't want my help. And so leave them, leave them to it. Mm. Um, they ha we're all in our, on our own journeys, really, aren't we? Yeah. So we have to respect other people's journeys. That's that's true too, and you know, change in general. I think not just when it comes to narcissistic people and their destructive behavior patterns, but change in general can be very uncomfortable. Like, let's say someone is trying to quit smoking, that's uncomfortable change at first, and nobody can, you know, they have to do that decision by themselves. Somebody is trying to lose weight. That is also can be very uncomfortable at first, but then long-term effects are, you know, they might be very good and make you feel good. But in general, you can't, you know, force if people are trying to change, you know, behavior or habits or habits like that, you can't change them for them either. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so this is today is all about accepting that we just can't change them in DBT dialectical behavioral therapy i think um they call that radical acceptance so mm. which is just we're trying to accept that something that's actually really uh, it's really hard to accept in yeah. my very simple language but that, <laughs> this is I've, so i've got six um sort of what are there six points there may be even six questions that we can mm. ask ourselves just to help us, push us in the right direction to actually get acceptance of all this. Okay. So, okay, so the first one, which I sort of briefly have touched on, um, is what is the need in you? Do you have a need in you to rescue people? <laughs> so a lot of us, especially if we've had narcissistic parents, we have that desire and almost a need to just go and rescue every situation, help people, fix people. Because if, like I say, if we had narcissistic parents, then we must have got into the habit of helping them to calm down, appease the situation, rescue the whole family, and that stops a very horrible situation sometimes arising. So then we feel better about it. So that's, it's sort of automatic in us then to go and help other people all the time. <laughs> so, um, uh, and yes, we are not God. <laughs> mm. We can't change everything. Um, yes, you have to look at what it is in you that's needing to be healed. What are you trying to gain from that? You know, also, I think some of us, we've, with the, the parental, um, you know, training, um, that we sort of associate then that we're rescuing somebody, that that means that we love them. So there is a difference between loving somebody and rescuing somebody, you know. Um, and I think a lot of people who have um, just been raised in that narcissistic dynamic um, that I have to save people, um, that means that that's showing them that I love them. But that's not, you know, there's other ways of showing somebody that you love them. Um, it doesn't involve fixing them or changing them or giving them advice, any of that. So it's just something to be aware of. Are you rescuing, you know, why are you rescuing them? Is it a need in you? And are you thinking that rescuing is your way of showing that you love them? Mm. So, okay. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so I've, I've put here, are you seeking a relationship where you can fix someone and make them perfect? And do you really believe that that's your raison d'etre is to be out in the world rescuing everybody? You know? So I've certainly fallen into that path <laughs> before now. I try not to do it now, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so the second point then, uh, this is a really big one, um, and this is, of course, is the most difficult, is what is the evidence that they can or can't be changed? So what's the evidence that they can be changed? Well, maybe if you've tried to help them before or change them before, has it ever worked? So, and I have people saying, oh yes, it did work, you know, they did change. And I say, oh, are they, are they still changed? Oh, well, no, they not all the time. And, you know, so I think sometimes we think, oh, they have changed, you know, but actually maybe they can pull it off once or twice or three times. But sooner or later, of course, they resort back to themselves. Um, we really cannot change anybody. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And someone, let's again use the same kind of analogy. If someone is trying to quit smoking, but if they still smoke every once a week, they actually haven't stopped smoking. Exactly. <laughs> they have only reduced their, yeah. be their harmful behavior, but they haven't stopped and changed it. Yeah. And I still think that's okay. We have to respect their wishes that they don't want to change or they don't want to stop smoking, mm. you know, because we don't know any better than they do. You know, we think we do, but actually we don't. They know what they want to do and that's that, you know, yeah. they're not ready to stop smoking or they're not ready to change, whatever. So, so I think, yeah, I think if you've tried a few times um, and when you look back, just think to yourself, did they really change? Or was it just a temporary thing to, you know, to look good at the time? So, so then of course the evidence that they can't be changed. This is where the a bit of a list I have here. <laughs> so I'm going to read these out to you. Um, so, do they actually need your advice? Do they actually listen to your advice? If you think about all the times you say, "Oh, you know, stop doing that," do they actually listen to you and stop? Probably not. <laughs> they probably say, why are you nagging me again and leave me alone, you know? Yeah. Um, which again, that's that's fair enough. That's, you know, we have to respect them and what their wishes are. Um, so another thing is, are they actually capable of looking after themselves? Because a lot of rescuing people, um, you sort of believe that, you know, they're only surviving because you're there to help them and to save them in all these situations. But of course, the truth is that they've managed to keep themselves alive up until the moment that you met them, perfectly fine. They were probably using other people, of course, mm. um, and getting their needs met by other people. And they will continue to do that when you leave as well. You know, um, so it's just, it's our sort of own perception of that, oh gosh, they can't live without me. I have to be there to help them and save them all the time, which isn't actually true. Um, you know, they'll be fine. And of course, if they've been manipulating us by using, you know, being in victim mode, yeah. then that drags us in, oh gosh, I have to help them. But that, if you can look back and see, that was all just a manipulation. 
they were manipulating by being in victim mode they were manipulating us to get their needs met mm. and and it's often when they go to the victim mode they might actually have some you know traumatic experience that they use and like it might be true like many narcissistic they do have their own trauma but like even though we as adults might have our trauma. We are adults now. Like we are responsible for healing ourselves. We are responsible for, you know, fixing ourselves and not that we over rely on someone. And then it just becomes a huge burden to someone else to try to carry you, to try to drag you. And, and I, like, okay, yeah, there, there are people who might want to support you in your healing or fixing yourself. But kind of using guilt tripping or using manipulation to get people to be there for you that's just that's not you, exactly. you don't do that you don't do that and that's where it changes into manipulation because they're using their past as a way of manipulating you mm. that's the difference so somebody who's been through a traumatic childhood they might talk about it but they're talking about it in a genuine honest way this is what happened I feel mm. like this, they felt like that. And that's aside. However, when, they're, when they're, the person's continuously bringing it up and, and just being in that victim, well, you can't do that to me because I've had such a terrible childhood. Yeah. That's really manipulative. So it's using that as a form of, yeah, just to manipulate somebody. And that's the difference, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's very subtly done. Um right so yeah so have they managed all their lives then to get their their needs met um even before you and without you and probably the answer is yes <laughs> narcissistic people always get their needs met and they always will get their needs met whether you're there or not um yes if you don't meet their needs they will find somebody else to fulfill their needs instead without giving it a second thought and like I, I think I said last week about Dr. Ramani has mentioned about her coffee machine in the morning. When you did I mention this last time? No. Okay. So I watched a little video by Dr. Ramani, and she was talking about her coffee machine and how in the mornings she thinks about her coffee machine because she wants to go and get a coffee. She has her coffee, and then she doesn't think about the coffee machine until the next morning, because she doesn't need it until the next morning. And that's basically, it's a perfect analogy of how narcissistic people think about people slash objects. Narcissistic people see us as just an object that they can use to get their needs met. So, and how we, you know, they don't think about us for the rest of the time when they don't need us. They only think about us when they need something from us. Just yeah. like we do when we need a coffee in the morning and then we don't think about the coffee machine for the rest of the day. Yeah, not thinking like, oh, how can I clean it to make it better? And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe some of us do think, think that about coffee machines. But... <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was just perfect. Honestly, that is how they see us. Yeah, it's, it's a great analogy. Very accurate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I've stolen that from Dr. Ramney now. I'm going to always use that. <laughs> So this is perfect. So yes, the other thing is just to remember that they are narcissistic. They are narcissistic people. Um, and this is a hard one to remember as well. Um, it's hard to sort of get your head around 
I have a lot of clients who say, oh, you know, but they, they do this and he did do that and she did do that because they have had their nice moments, you know. So, and I always say, well, if they were horrible the whole time, then none of us would have, you know, been with them. Of course, if it's your family, it's different. Um, but, I, you know, for a partner, if they were just horrible, horrible, horrible all the time, then we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be near them because they're just horrible. But that's the thing with narcissistic individuals that they, they you know, they're, they're, they can be really horrible and cruel and all the bad stuff that we know. But of course, they can also put on the charm and the wonderful, lovely, the fake, you know, the future faking um, and all the nice stuff. The hoovering us back, that can be lovely at times. Oh, gosh, they want me back and we're all flattered. Oh, you know, they're still keen on me and they want me and they love me. And of course, that's what a lot of us want deep down. That's what we want and need. So, um, yeah, we just get sucked into it again, you know. So it is, it's, it's more difficult um, to sort of wrap your head around because they are sometimes nice, but sometimes they're really pretty horrible. Yeah, so, uh, it's um, really eye-opening to actually at some point make a list. And uh, I once did that and it was like, I was uh, uh, kind of staying in this self-doubt um, state just because there were you know, five things that were positive and it's really weird to look at that, how these five things weigh so much when I compare it to 20 negative things or more. Like the it's the difference between the two is, is huge. And then at the same time, you can really understand that there it's like, it's also manipulation. It can be addiction, you know, that you, your brain actually is addicted to the relationship because in no way in a healthy situation would just so small and like minimal stuff keep you still in the relationship that they should be like more balanced or that actually they should be that of course you should get more positive out of the relationship and the negative aspects would be like way way smaller compared to the positive aspects yeah you're right and it's it is you're right it's when they they throw you a tiny 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 little breadcrumb that your brain of course produces all that oxytocin or whatever it is and oh, wow so even from a tiny little breadcrumb yeah it's very difficult as well Yulia to write lists so if you I say this all the time to write a list of this and write a list of that but actually when you're in it you can't even see it properly so you sort of kid yourself yeah. <laughs> that oh well it wasn't that bad and you know I'll put that in the in the middle I won't put it in a bad the bad column or the good column I'll put it in the middle because it wasn't that bad you know that that's very true like it's really hard to yeah, you always often need distance and education what healthy relationships actually look like. Yes. Because then you can kind of compare. But yeah. if you have not you don't have previous healthy relationships or you don't have knowledge about healthy relationships, you simply just might think, Well, this prop like I'm just being ungrateful for because I'm not appreciating what I have or <laughs> Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah it does when you're being really honest with yourself it does um it does require you to be totally honest and therefore sort of you have to admit then oh gosh some of this is actually my fault too because i'm still there 
you know, so it sort of becomes a bit more clear when you're really true to yourself, you know, so it's, it's hard. It's hard. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so remembering that they are narcissistic, um, it is hard to get this in our heads, it really is. And of course, we find it so impossible to understand their way of thinking and their twisting of truth, so their distorted outlook on everything. Um, so the next thing is, can you see and can you accept that they have been manipulating you? A lot of people just, they just cannot and will not, they don't want to see it. Because again, it, it, it sort of is admitting to yourself that you were perhaps being weaker or you were allowing, you were being too tolerant um, and you were allowing them to get away with murder. People say, oh, why was I, why did I put up with this for such a long time? You know, but we do, of course, in that situation. Um, it is like we're just like turning into a zombie just to please them and, and do whatever they want. You know, you're sort of not in your own mind anymore. You know, so, yeah. So, yeah, cause I, I suppose if you realise that you've been manipulated, um, you, you know, some people can feel that they were, you know, they can feel angry or stupid, weak, naive. All of these and none of us want to think of ourselves as being that um but yeah we've all we've all been there really um so can you accept that they will be able to live without you <laughs> basically even if you were to leave they will still manage they will still get their needs met mm -hmm. um can you accept that narcissistic people see people just like objects like the coffee machine <laughs> because that's what we are to them. We are like a coffee machine. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, so the next part of this then, um, I've just put down, so I've called them reality questions. Uh, this is just you questioning your reality, basically. Um, so the reality of the situation. So would they actually ever, with the narcissistic individual, would they ever believe that you knew better than they do? So if you're thinking, oh, you need to change this, or you, you know, trying to rescue them, do you honestly think that they would believe that you knew better than they did? Yeah. You know, because they they don't. They, <laughs> they do yeah. know better, and you know. So, yeah. So the next one is: Would they ever believe that you were right and they were wrong? Oh, of course they wouldn't. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the next one, would they ever believe that you knew what they needed more than they knew themselves? <laughs> so, yeah. This is like a child, isn't it? If the, if the child's wanting, you know, more sweets or something and they've already had too many sweets and you're saying, no, no, it's bad. But they will, they will never understand. They mm. just want more and more and more and more, you know. So, and in that case, of course, goes their children. We do know better, but for a grown-up, we don't. We we can't know better than they know for themselves. <laughs> mm. Okay, so now we're on to the number three of this little six things. Uh, so number three is: um, Can you really change reality? So the reality is the evidence we've just looked at. The reality is that they are narcissistic 
and that there's nothing we can do to change them. We don't even have the right to change them, really. So this is the hard bit, is accepting that the reality is as it is. Mm. So because this is from Eckhart. Do you know Eckhart Tolle? Yeah, yeah, I yes. do know. So he talks about the ego. Um, it's the ego trying to change reality that keeps us in a suffering mode. You know, so I was thinking like how to explain this, like really as adults, most of us, I think, accept that it's daytime just now and then later on it will be nighttime. Mm -hmm. When you're a child, of course, when you're, you know, I don't know, two or three or something and you're just starting to play with whatever you're playing with um, and it's time to go to bed. We don't want to go to bed. We don't want it to be night. And we usually have a big tantrum. No, I don't want to go to bed. No, I want to play with my games. Whatever. <laughs> because that's the ego not accepting that it's night time and we have to go to sleep. Yeah. So, so again, for us as adults, um, the, the, the truth and the reality is that this is a narcissistic person and they're not going to change and that's that. So... Yeah, it's like we can't change night into day. No, we can't. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. So I know it's a pain and it's horrible, but it's the truth. <laughs> it's reality. Yeah. And once you accept it, it becomes like you're not fighting. Is it a day or a night? You don't even give it a second thought. You don't fight with it. You don't put energy to it. Exactly. It's just the way it is and you can continue your day. And you no longer suffer because mm -hmm. you're no longer trying to change reality because you have finally accepted that the sun goes down and it's night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it is, it's just our ego trying to change things. That's what causes us suffering. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, okay. So number four, um, this was just really a question, which parts are you really having difficulty to accept? Mm. So are there parts in you that are difficult for you to accept or the parts in the narcissistic person? What is it that you're having a, having a hard job accepting? Um, and often we can listen to our body for this if we have physical sensations. So maybe we'll remember um, how we felt, for example, with a, you know, a, a partner relationship. Maybe we remember the time when they said something so lovely and it made us feel all nice. Then afterwards it made us feel a bit, oh, that wasn't quite right. There was something inside that just didn't feel right. That's your body letting you know that something's wrong, even if you can't put your finger on it and you can't explain it, that your body knows, wait a minute, that doesn't feel right. Mm. You know? So if we can, if you can just have a look and see what are the, the parts of the relationship or bits that you did or that they did, um, that just, just listen to your body um, to see what you're having. Usually if you have quite a big, ugh, usually it's a negative, horrible emotion or feeling, um, then that's usually something you can look at more, you know, sort of get to the bottom of it and, and find out what it is. Perhaps you were wanting, you know, to get love from them um, and you sort of are almost pretending to yourself, oh yes, this is love. 
then when you break it down, it's not, it's not proper love. Um, so and then that makes us feel even worse as well. And it's all very painful. So, but it's just being aware of your, being aware of your body, what it's telling you. This isn't right, <laughs> you know. Oh yes, and also, of course, if you've had a lot of lies, so often if they've been telling us a lot of lies, but we haven't been quite sure, maybe sort of we say, oh, okay, I believe you, if they make an excuse. And you say, oh, okay, then. Then later on you think, no, that doesn't make sense. Mm. <laughs> they couldn't have done that at that time because they were over there, something, yeah. you know. Um, so it's sort of, it's accepting that you were, not that you were right, well, you were right at the time, but it's accepting that your body was right to feel like a bit, oh, that's not quite right. Um, and that can be quite horrific because the they, they can often talk with such authority and with such um, sort of strength in their, um, what am I trying to say, what's the word? Um, like convincing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're very convincing because they believe it. They believe their own lies. Mm, they have to, I believe. Yes. So, yes. So they say it with such conviction um, that, you know, then you're left thinking, oh, well, maybe I did get that wrong. But no, mm. it's a lie. And, you know, you were right. It was a lie. Um, so, yeah. But then, of course, you can feel guilty because, oh, I should have questioned them more. Or I shouldn't have let them off with that, but you did. <laughs> oh. mm. <laughs> Another kind of worms opens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, if I remember right, this way of should uh, thinking, it's like one of the cognitive distortions, which is like a very unhelpful way of thinking about situations and experiences because, well, you can't go back anymore. And so it's no point to think about should. Exactly. Should, yeah. should, should, yeah. So. Yes. Should, should be scored out of the dictionary. It's <laughs> yeah. not a good word at all. It's a very bad word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially if it's preceded with you. You should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so number five. This is quite a big one too, really. This is just facing the stages of grief. So by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, I think I've talked about this before. Um, so she talks about d different stages that we have to go through in order to reach some kind of an acceptance. Um, this is to reach an acceptance usually of a death or a loss. Um, so she talks about denial, anger, sadness are the main ones. Um, and we have to go through this. So when, you know, if we are realizing that that our partner, for example, is narcissistic, we do have to go through anger. We do have to go through the denial. We do have to go through sadness. Um, just that's the process of our, of our bodies processing all what's gone on so that we can finally come to an acceptance at the end. So we should be crying. We should be shouting. We should be getting rid of our anger down at the gym. Uh, you know, we should be doing all of these things. We should. <laughs> <laughs> these are all the things that we need to do, you know. So, um, yeah. And that, of course, is not none of us like crying and wallowing in our own self-pity. Um, yeah. It's got to be done. You know? Yeah. 
Well, that's so, helpful Helpful to hear that it's kind of part of the process. And then now that you said that, I hope it helps individuals who are listening to, under, to kind of see this whole thing from a perspective that, okay, this is something, this is part of something. And uh, even if it's here right now, some difficult feeling, everything in life usually is there to pass. Like at some point it passes. So yeah. will does, so will this difficult process as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, I always think of that as well. This too shall pass. And it does. You're right. Things don't last forever. It will pass, you know. But it's got to be done. If you don't cry, for example, then you're going to be in the supermarket one day and you're going to be crying in the middle of the supermarket. You know, none of us want to be doing that. <laughs> you know, so if you can just cry. When people say to me, oh, I've had a terrible week, I've been crying. And I think, oh, great, <laughs> good that you were crying all week because you're getting it all out, you know. And it's just, it's a natural part that we have to go through and it's not pleasant, but we have to do it so we can release all of our pain. So, yeah. There's a lot of disappointment in all this too because, of course, again, with a romantic partner, we, you know, initially thought, oh, this is the person of my dreams and it's all going to be great. Um, and then, of course, as you realise with time, oh, this isn't quite so good, and oh gosh, this is actually quite horrible. Um, it's not only the, the disappointment of them and finding out the truth about them, but it's the disappointment about all your other dreams that you've perhaps had, the future dreams, you know. Um, it's, it's just so disappointing, isn't it? So, um, yeah. So yeah, the loss of your romantic dreams, the false promises as well. Um, and often there's guilt there as well that, you know, they have they have placed guilt on us, perhaps for not being compliant. So it's not actually our guilt in the first place, but they've kind of put that on us. And um, that too, we have to sort of try and get rid of that. Um, yeah, so again, that's probably anger. Anger at all the you know, rubbish that we've been told or the gaslighting, once you realise all oh, the manipulation, that's going to cause a tremendous amount of anger to come up, you know, so, yeah. Because most of us, I suppose, in, in this kind of relationship, we've not been allowed to express our anger and we've been gaslit all the time and, you know, lied to. So really, we, we sort of, just keep um, suppressing it, suppressing it, all this anger. So eventually we realise that, you know, people are up to here with anger inside us and we don't know what to do with it. We can't get it out. We don't know how to do it, you know. So, And it is a case of punching a pillow or writing it all down, going out for a run, whatever you can do to just get rid of this angry energy, you know, and then have a good cry. <laughs> <laughs> Anger and crying, that's, yeah, <laughs> anger and sadness. <laughs> okay, so the last one then is, uh, this is now hopefully to help you move on, um, is what do you have in your life? What do you live for? Um, what do you give to the planet? You know, why are you here on the planet? You know, just looking at what you do have after the narcissistic person. What do you actually have? For you, you know, mm. and I think a lot of us don't even give that a second thought while we're in a relationship. 
with a narcissistic person. We don't think about us. We're just always so focused on them and what do they need and what do they want. So once we've gone through these sort of stages, um, then we can finally think, gosh, what is it that I want out of my life? Do I want to join something new? Do I want to, I don't know, do whatever you want, really, you know? Mm. Yeah, which can be a bit scary to begin with. Oh, gosh, thinking about me and what do I want? Yeah, and it, you still might hear the voice that, oh, you are not strong enough or you are not smart enough to do something or you don't have the qualities to success in something or, you know, those might hold you back. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but I think um, the next part, actually, if that's okay with you, um, I would like to talk about actually how to build build us up how to mm. kind of yeah just rebuild ourselves yeah that's a very needed topic for yeah. sure yeah yeah i don't have a magic wand that's the thing i don't i don't <laughs> have a magic wand to go right that's you all healed i don't <laughs> it takes a lot of time and effort and energy to mm. to build yourself up you know so, yeah yeah okay so, great yeah. well yeah, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode, which was all about accepting that you cannot change them. And it's similar to the radical acceptance concept. And uh, we are looking forward, Luciana, to hear how you can, you know, bring us, uh, bring some ideas, how to build ourselves up. And I'm sure it will be very, very helpful. I hope so. <laughs> okay, thank you for having me today. It's been a pleasure as always. <laughs>